He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. Last summer, the United States government disclosed that unidentified flying objects or unidentified aerial phenomena are real. Not only are they real, they're commonplace. That's not as frightening as saying aliens are here, but it's essentially the same thing. Now, the thousands of people who have reported sightings and even abductions can feel vindicated. Today, my guests are Leslie and Stephen Shaw, authors of Who Are They and What They're Up To?, Leslie has seen the mysterious craft, and Stephen is an abductee who has been in contact with them since childhood. As a result, they're both researchers who are interested in your stories, so be sure to tune in and get all the details. I share stories like this because there are so many of us that think that we can't do what life is guiding us to do, yet we all have a unique path. When we surrender to it, we live authentic and full lives. So I'm not suggesting that you do the things the way they have, but I hope that their stories give you the courage to live your authentic path. And if the podcast inspires you or helps you in any way, please support by giving us a like, share, comment, review, or subscribe to the channel. Thanks. Welcome, Leslie and Steven. How are you? We're just super. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Sure. So I asked you here because I'm really interested in hearing your stories about encounters with aliens. So um, who wants to start? Well, I guess I will. It started with his early life. Yeah, my early life. Sorry, I'm just getting over a frog here. Uh, <laughs> I, I used to be visited by a, a little being that would jump when I was three years old, that would jump on my chest and playfully during the night and i just didn't think very much of it I, I grew up in a very psychic family three generations and we we had this family spirit guy called old legley that would visit people so i grew up you know thinking and believing that as a kid and then when i was nine years old i was sleeping in a bunk bed and i i got up out of the bunk bed because i heard something strange going on in the house it wasn't the dog and it was kind of dark, and I was walking down the hallway. My heart was pounding. I was absolutely awake. And then I black out. And then I'm back in my bed. And, and that kind of thing just kept happening and this, again and again. Yeah, it happened to my, my brother, and who was younger than me. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward when I was 18, a series of events that happened that culminated in my being approached by this blue-white being about six to seven feet tall that came from behind my head from the front door. I was sleeping on the couch and it illuminated the whole room with blue white light and stopped by my right side, paralyzed the right side of my body. Just like this went, I couldn't move no matter what I want to do. I just couldn't move. 
and it bent down and said in my ear, hi, Steve. Couldn't tell male or female. Now, and then I, I don't know what I, it, it stayed for a, a little period of time. Then it left. Now, about six hours later, I went to go, you know, reach in my right-hand side pocket to pull out some coins because my dad and I were getting hungry. And for lunch, so I pulled out all the coins in the right side of my pocket and they were all magnetized. I could pick up the coins with, with, with each other. And my dad and I looked at each other and said, well, well, that's not possible. It's supposed you know? to be impossible because so, they design coins specifically so they're not magnetic, so they can go in Coke machines and Pepsi machines. And this, this time period in 1979, January, my sister and my dad and I were all experiencing things um, together or separately. And it was, it's, it sounds like a haunting, but sometimes, but when there's it always goes, this missing time, there's always there's this missing time. missing time. My, my brother was afraid of the men that would visit him in the night and slept in his closet, slept in our closet for a good two years. Um, and he, one time, uh, Philip, his brother, Philip saw a gray alien in his room, a different house before blacking out. So we were. You know, at first we didn't know what the phenomenon was, but after interviewing Philip, I realized what's going on. It's the abduction phenomenon because that's the, the hallmark of the abduction phenomenon is big blocks of missing time. You'll see something strange and then black out and then three hours later, wake up in your bed. Frequently the case. And it was happening to the, the whole family. And we, we, we only talked about it amongst the family because my parents came over from England. They grew up as children during the World War II. And my, my, my mother's uh, mother and her sister were extremely psychic, doing automatic writing and spiritualism stuff. And then their mothers came from, from Germany and the Newmans that were also uh, in, into that and had the ability. I, I, my, I've seen things that my mom had written automatic writing when she got she called it the feeling would come over her that there's no possible way she could have known that yes she, in fact she would be notified via automatic writing of deaths in the family long before the official word would come from england she'd say oh my mother's dead or so and so yeah i remember picking me up from school when i was nine and she was in tears because she got the feeling and she was contacted and i saw i said yeah and i said my my, my mom just died I was told by by my spirit guide, Old Glegly. Mm -hmm. So, but we think the spirit guide might be an alien abduction phenomenon. I was going to say, would, do you think that that's related? The oh yes, you do. Yes, very much so. Very I, mean, much so. I don't. I don't. You know the 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 blue white being that approached me, and I my dad saw a, an intense wall of blue white light outside of my bedroom door one night around night, this time yeah. period, a different night, and. He was going to get up and investigate. What is that blue white light all around the door? And a voice came in his head said, Jeffrey, go back to sleep. Everything's, Everything's fine. fine. And he went back to sleep. You know, and I, I have no recollection of that at all. Okay. That night that my room was filled with blue white light, that particular night, I have, I, I have no recollection. And so we're, we get married and I hear all about these, these incidents from Stephen and I believe him. I'm a, a dutiful wife, and I believe what he tells me. But there was always that little kernel of doubt, you know. And maybe I believed him 95%, say. And then I saw my first UFO, and now I believed him 100% after that, because seeing is believing, for sure. We've seen five. Uh, he's seen five total, and I've seen two. And the two I saw, we saw together. So his last two were, were my only two. So and have uh, you ever been abducted? 
No, I don't think so. Um, but, oh, you mean Leslie? Yeah, I don't believe so. I think they abandoned Steve as a uh, abduction subject um, maybe Whoa. before I met him. Uh, you see, this is what they do. They'll take people, uh, they find a certain genetic strain that they like, and then they'll take that person again and again and again through their lives, and then they abandon them and start taking their children and grandchildren. So I think they're after viable genetic material. And um, we were in our uh, late 30s when we got together, and and uh, I think they may have been abandoned us already. But, you know, it. Uh, Whitley Strieber, the guy who wrote Communion, he, he reported being taken right next to his sleeping wife and and her not knowing anything about it. But he would know because he would uh, partially awaken through it and as he's being taken. And uh, just she's just sleeping obli oblivious to it. So we think they have consciousness dampening fields that they can keep people asleep while they're doing what they're doing. So he could have been taken right next to me and I wouldn't have known it. Or I could have been taken and I just have no memory of it. They're good at, at capping memories. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, Stephen's um, memory block for all these big chunks of missing time We've tried to break through it in hypnotic regression work and have failed so far. The block is is in pretty good place. You know, it's hard to sometimes it's hard to break through them. Have you ever been harmed? Have I ever been harmed? Mm -hmm. Well, we can no. see the, the well, trauma being... of being stolen out of your beds at night. Uh, harm. Psycho psychologically, <laughs> yes. I mean, I've, I've had I've had trouble sleeping for a long time. Yes. And Chronic I, insomnia. I've, and... For, for a while there, I was, I would try to get to sleep and just relax. And then it would always hear like a knock, knock, knock behind my head, like on the wall, just like somebody's like knocking, you know, said like, wake up or I get somebody talking in my ear or, yeah. or, or, I, or I'd hear a door slam, just like the door of the room I was in just slammed. Or sometimes I'll hear musical instruments, you know, or, or, I'll, you know, it's, it's something that, you know. I could say I grew up in a, in a family that was kind of conservative British and we knew about this stuff. And, and this, this stuff has followed me to at least six different houses. Yes. And it's, it's not like a haunting that would yeah, be at a location. Right. And it's, you know. it's followed my family from England and, and probably Germany too, as, as I, as I would imagine. And it also crossed over to my, my, my mom's older sister got married to uh, Doug Griffiths and, he was approached by O'Glegley, and he's not bloodline at all of Shaw. He's a Griffiths, right? He was, when he was in the RAF in Ceylon, which is now Sri Lanka, uh, he was approached by this O'Glegley character and woke him up out of a dead sleep and said, you got to get out of your cot. You're about to be, uh, you're about to be attacked. And he, 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 he took him seriously and he got out of the cot and got out, out of that tent. And um, sure enough, a group of warriors came through and killed a bunch of them. So, so in other it's, words, it's oh, this like they protect the family, they too. protect the family. So, but yes, it's, it's something I grew up with. I didn't talk to my friends about it because they already thought I was a little strange as it was. Cause I played, the <laughs> I played the accordion, you know, so they already thought I was a little strange. So yeah, is this one of these things that it was kept, it was kept in the family and you just don't talk about these things. They think you're, you're a little weird. So why are you well, talking you are, about darling? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Why are you talking saying, about Oh, pardon. What was the question? Why are you talking about it now? Oh, well, you know, I'm 63 years old and I've, I, I had an incident happen when I was 30 
that really, really disturbed and scared me. I was married to my ex-wife. We were living in a second-story condo, really nice place. And she was a school teacher, and she's getting ready to go to go to school. She'd take like two hours to get ready to go to school, and I was still in bed. Again, it was January. It was dark. And I heard this sound of Harley Davidson being revved up uh, down in the courtyard. You can't mistake a Harley Davidson, okay? And so I got up out of bed and says, who the hell is, is you know, is revving a Harley Davidson <laughs> in the a. dark, <laughs> you know, like at six o'clock in the morning in the dark. And there was nobody there. So I, you know, I went back and said, that was really odd. Maybe it was on the street. So I started to go back to sleep. Then it happened again. And I said, oh, this is ridiculous. And then it was like a veil came, broke across my subconscious and conscious mind all these beings entered the room all these beings they were like weirdly dressed clown type beings and 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 uh and animals and they were just in the room and they were harassing me touching me in my chest and uh they were just making gestures and and i, I finally was able to they finally went away it seemed like it was five or ten minutes that went on and and I, then I had to drive like an hour and a half to work. I said, you know, oh, my God, uh, you know, am, am I going insane? But actually, so, I think she's, what she's asking more is uh, why we wrote the book now. Well, the, 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 impetus, now? the impetus was I started doing research seriously back around then. Mm -hmm. I saw a psychic. And then when Leslie and I got together, we were doing some of our own kundalini raising work. And I taught her Tai Chi. And we start, she started having some things happen, too, like clairaudience. And we just, right. I, at this point, I just wanted to get to the bottom of things. Yeah. About 20 years ago, I wanted to find the answers. I wanted and, to find what was going on. And then when when I saw my first UFO, I'm, I'm the writer in the family. I was a journalist for 18 years. And uh, Stephen is, uh, and I worked the book together, but I did more of the lion's share of the of the writing. And except for his personal stories. And my research. Included. And uh, but our research is together and our theories are developed together. Um, but when we, when I saw my first UFO and that was almost 20 years ago, that's about when I started thinking we should write a book about this. And that's probably when it started. And then in 2016, the Hiawatha asteroid impact crater was discovered under the Hiawatha glacier in Northern Greenland. And um, we knew that that asteroid impact had happened because a lot of, uh, evidence was pointing towards it, but nobody could find the crater. And it's because it was under the ice sheet. And just with the recent, you know, shrinking of the ice sheet in northern Greenland, they were able to discover the crater. And that has a lot to do with our theories as to what's going on. And so uh, as soon as that was discovered, I said, now we can publish. Now we can write the book and publish. Yeah, we we we, we already had heard about the uh, nano diamonds and the uh, Ucello. Ucello Horizon. Horizon. This is big news, actually. Uh, 13,000 years ago, uh, this asteroid hit, and um, mainstream science wasn't believing it because nobody could find the crater. Uh, but now that it has been found, we believe this is the cause of the Great Flood. And the, myth the, uh, the mythologies about the Great Flood, there's actually 1,200 separate cultures worldwide that have an, a flood myth in their most ancient lore, pointing to a shared experience of some kind, worldwide shared experience of some kind. And 13,000 years ago uh, makes sense because that's about when our history begins. You know, human history doesn't go past back 
before 13,000 yeah, years. Yeah, since since the discovery of Gobekli Tepe, which is between 12 and 13,000 years. That's the old. oldest thing found. That's, so what, that's what we know so far. So human history doesn't predate the flood. Uh, and I think because of the, how destructive the flood would have been. Uh, we're talking about thousand foot high tsunamis that would have gone worldwide and scraped our society off the face of the earth. Whatever we had going was kind of laid waste back then. Yes, and this this uh, uh, is the Ucello, right? Yes, and yeah. the thirteen thousand year old soil has a a stripe in it uh, on ten different countries, four continents, called the Ucello Horizon. That's um, it's all charcoal, like the whole place was on fire at the same time and that makes sense with uh air bursts uh in a uh um, an asteroid coming through the the atmosphere it causes these uh air bursts that would uh fire that would cause uh the the, the forest all, all the forests in the northern hemisphere would have been a fire at the same time and then the layer of soil above that laid down after was the uh, younger dryas boundary showing a drastic climate upheavals for about a thousand years after so we knew that the the crater was somewhere, but it was just finally discovered. And a lot of our theories clicked into place at that point. Yes. So going back to the uh, aliens, um, it sounds like, like you said, that they are, have protective um, feelings, I guess, towards the family. And yet yes. it's scary too. Um, can you go into the more... Uh, of the scary part, I I, I would feel like sure. if, if my my memories were being wiped away and I didn't have any control, oh, it'd be scary. I, the, the scary part, yeah. The 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 night before the thing with the blue white being, the night before I was sleeping my, my, in my usual bedroom, I, I was on the bottom bunk and I was awakened by a like sound a weird in the air. Type sound. And I by the hallway, the kitchen light was on, so I could kind of look from my room down the hallway, and you know, I didn't see any like bugs or anything like that that could have, or a fan so i went back to went back to try to go back to sleep rolled on my left hand side and then the bottom of my bed was pushed twice from the base of the bed this pushed twice kind of gently but i thought oh well i live in california maybe it's an earthquake i'm trying to <laughs> rationalize this okay I'm trying to rationalize so then i continue to like try and go to sleep and then it pushes harder twice again and says okay i'm getting a little worried here and then the third time it pushed harder. And then after that, I got three distinct taps on my right shoulder. That's like an index finger of somebody. Tap, 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 right on my right shoulder. At this point, I'm aggravated and scared. So I rolled, I rolled over and I just said, what? You know, because I was literally getting scared so and it wasn't visible and then, then i don't know what i do and i don't know what happened after that another blackout right after yeah it's not 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 immediately i think i lay back down but then i just i can't remember i i would have told my dad my, my dad had his doors closet doors open and closed on him one night during his time period and then like one night um my dad heard this silver bell being rung inside the wall by the fireplace about nine o'clock at night and he came into my room, said, Stephen, I must be hearing things. And I said, I'm hearing a silver bell. So I came into the room and, and uh, said, sure enough, it's a silver bell being rung inside the wall. Then I got my sister. My sister at this point in her life, she didn't want to have anything to do with this kind of stuff. She was kind of like a born again Christian and she didn't want to be thinking about the spiritual stuff. And 
Yes, yes, that's a silver bell. We all recognize it. It went on for about 15 minutes. And didn't it simultaneously cause the phone to ring at your other Oh, home? yeah. At the, at the same time, we found out the next day that 350 miles away at the house my dad and I were building, my brother and my mom were, were living there in Sonora, California. And my brother was in the room with my mom, and she picked up the phone. He said the phone never rang, but this is the same time when the silver bell was going on. She may have heard the silver bell. Like she heard it, yeah. heard it ring, and 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 some voice on the other end said, "I am the invisible on Beachy." <laughs> now that could have been Ogleggly, I don't know, but she said, "I'm the invisible." This happened simultaneously. Is, this is this is type of stuff you don't really tell people because they think, you know, <laughs> you're you're making it up or you're nuts, you know. So <laughs> one thing uh, we discovered as soon as we started doing our serious research about 20 years ago, when I saw the first UFO. Uh, we we discovered quickly that theories about UFOs and abductions were different than the facts. They weren't aligning. And one of the things, the theories were saying that, oh, aliens are just interested in us, scientific curiosity. They just want to take a few little samples of a smattering of humanity just for scientific purposes. But what we discovered instead, this, this phenomenon is almost entirely a, a Caucasian phenomenon. 94.6% of abductees are Caucasian. And uh, so it's, and we only make up 16% of the population. So we're, they're not taking a cross section of humanity as far as. That's not their main purpose, no. And then they keep taking the same person again and again until, like I said before, then they start taking the children and the grandchildren and the great grandchildren in the phenomenon. So what they do is they find a genetic strain they like, and they keep preying on the, that, that particular family. And I, I make the analogy like a cow. The farmer has a cow. He abducts the cow from the field every morning, takes it into his barn and removes the milk, and then puts the cow back out to generate more milk. And he protects the cow. He doesn't want his cow killed by wolves, so he protects his cows from the wolves. So it's not so much that they're protecting us, I think, because they deeply care about us. I think it's just that they find a strain of DNA that they like, and they don't want to lose that particular strain. There might be a little care in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people we've talked to report that, you know, I call it a victimization. They've been victims of the abduction phenomenon because it's a traumatic experience. And poor Philip, his brother, was never lived a normal life and ended up committing suicide and killing his mother at the same time. Yeah, but he did. He on his, on his fifty first birthday, he killed both his cats first. Then he took a shotgun to my mom, and then then to then to himself. Um, not in, in two thousand seventeen, we're still getting over that. My yeah. dad had just died two months before that, so and I think that the death of his father they, they only all, increased the uh, um the trouble in his mind. They, you know? they were all living together at the house that we built in Sonora, California. <clears throat> but we attribute Sorry. a lot of this to the uh, to the trauma, the early trauma of the abduction phenomenon. He was quite terrified. Like he said, Stephen said, uh, Philip slept in his closet for two years of his childhood because he was fr frightened of the little men that would come. And he, and he saw he, once... He told, sorry, he told me he saw two white UFOs outside of his um, bedroom window when he was 16. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you say to the people like Stephen Greer who think that they are benevolent and that we should be calling to them um, and <laughs> that, that that's a good thing? Yeah, we, we've heard that kind of thing from people and we don't recommend contact with them. They're not, it's not fun. 
uh, Betty and Barney Hill reported a searing pain when they had their samples taken. Like they're not even using anesthetic on people when they stick needles in them to extract eggs or, or sperm. And um, we also believe that sometimes they take people and don't put them back. We think some of the abductees are, it depends on what they need, say. Let's say they need a human brain for their experiment. Well, they're not going to put that person back. That person's dead. And there's a lot of missing people in, in Alaska, particularly. Now, Alaska, of course, is a treacherous place. They could be, some of them could be eaten by bears or, in, you know, killed by avalanches. But there are 16,000 missing persons in, the past in Alaska. 20, 25 to 30 years. In the, in the past 30 years. And just some of them are just so unexplainable. So Yeah, just like a guy just was there and then suddenly not there kind of thing. And, and Alaska is a huge hotbed of UFO activity. They, there are at least two underground UF a, alien bases in Alaska that we know of. Mount Hayes. Possibly more. Mount Hayes is one, and the uh, Black Pyramid uh, is a separate base about 100 miles away from there. So, And people are constantly seeing UFO activity up there. there but benevolence may be part of, of, their, of who they are. They, we, we see them as being more like distant cousins that broke off from us about 13,000 years ago. Going back to the Great Flood, all the flood myths have one thing in common. Pre-knowledge, they were told ahead of time that there was going to be a winter coming that you've never seen before. So, or a flood, or a flood, a deluge. So, and they're all told either, depending on where they were, they would be warned either it's time to build an ark, or go to a very high ground, or dig in underground in an like, underground city, like, like in the Turkey, the, like in Derinkuyu, yeah, Derinkuyu area. Very advanced. We could, we, we could, we would have trouble doing that today the way they did it. It's amazing structure. And we also know that our ancestors had a phenomenal uh, a use of, of, of rock and metallurgy that yes. we don't have today. I mean, you look at Saksuaman, these things are, they're built to be earthquake proof forever. They, they are just completely uh, impervious to that because the way yes. they were built. And we now know for a fact that uh, mainstream archaeology is very slow to change their theories because they have to then refute what they already have been, you know, theorizing and, and say, oops, we were wrong. This is true now. So they, it takes them a long time with a lot of evidence to change their minds. But we now know for a fact that all of the structures in Peru and Bolivia were built by a culture much, much older than the Inca. Um, the, they finally, under one of the big pyramids, they found some grass netting that was there to, to help support an, a little bit of earthquake damage that had happened. And the grass netting has been carbon dated to 5,000 years ago. So we now know for a fact that there was a pyramid city building culture living in South America 5,000 years ago, of which we know zero. Yeah. What do you think the uh, U.S. disclosure last summer about uh, UFOs or UAPs is real? What, what do you think that's about? Why, why are they coming out now? And what do you think? The because, gen- because everybody has a phone on, uh, camera on their hip. Yeah, they can't hide it as easy anymore. Uh, but uh, for 80 years, I mean, in the first chapter of our book, we had to assume that people would pick up the book that knew nothing about UFOs. So the first chapter is like a crash course in UFO history of nope, the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, the second chapter is about the recent disclosures. And the recent disclosures 
Um, it happened with Luis Elizondo. He was head of ATIP and he released the, do you remember that um, New York Times story that came out in 2017 where he, he said, yes, this is a real phenomenon. And he released the three uh, famous videos now. The Go Fast Gimbal and the TikTok. And the TikTok videos. Um, at that point, there was a shift uh, in the uh, disclosure policy of the U.S. government. For before that, for 80 years, they just lied, stonewalled us, you know, oh, no, it's swap gas, it's mass hysteria, it's a weather balloon, lie, 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 yeah, lie, Yeah, lie. Most, most famously 1969 when they shut down Project Blue Book yeah, and they, they said, can, oh, we didn't find anything. Yeah, the, the, Project Blue Book shut, shut down, but then they just created another secret organization Can't that studied it, you know, they just changed the name and the funding would be different every, every time. But um then then when Luis, Luis Elizondo released it, because he was head of their secret program, they couldn't very well lie about it anymore. And they said they did release a statement with the full length videos to the public. And they said, this is a real phenomenon, but we don't know what it is. And of course, they're lying to us again. They know full well who what it is because they have crashed mm -hmm. ships. They have uh, dead alien bodies. They have maybe some live alien bodies we think so they're still lying to us and they haven't disclosed anything else since then as far as releasing more videos to the public but that disclosure uh hearing that happened over the summer was quite interesting we listened to every word three times um but and it wasn't news to us that there were crash ships or biologics but what was news to us is the pilots were saying that this um these incidents where they're following our military happen every single time they go out on maneuvers all over the world they're dogging us so there should be there should be a lot more videos to disclose so the government is still pretty closed off about releasing stuff to us but they have changed their policy a little bit admitting that it's real now <laughs> somebody's listening and they have paranormal ptsd you got any suggestions on what they might do yeah PTSD. Well, see a counselor number one that's that is um, open to the idea to start with, and not just think that you know have their own preconceived ideas. It's I think it's important to to do that, and certainly maybe uh, get a group and talk about your experiences. You know, kind of like an AA thing. You know, the twelve step thing. You know, twelve steps to um, getting over PTSD from. And you know that the thing is, we can't do much about it. No, we, it, we would have loved to help Philip more, you know, yeah. with his his trauma, but we weren't able to do so. But I would say any kind of PST therapy that's PTSD therapy that uh, would would work the same way. Yeah, uh, and that they should definitely seek therapy rather than just wall themselves off or something. Yeah, and and I, I've been recently trying to approach one. I, I'm still having things happen to this day. Just just recently, I yeah. Well, I, I I have the ability to get out of my body for one thing. Um, I got out of my body about two weeks ago or so, and I got out of bed and I was going to go to the bathroom and I and I didn't realize I got out of my body. I just I went to I went to the door that was closed and I couldn't open the door because he I, wasn't physically there. <laughs> I wasn't physically there, so. So I went back, I went back and looked at my body. I said, uh Oh, did I die? Did I just die? So, said, Oh no, I just got out of my body. So I went back into my body. Then I, then I was able to get up and, you know, go out. And I, I, uh, and a, and a couple nights after that, I, 
I went to bed and I felt like it felt like, you know, somebody had gotten in bed right next to me and just like somebody lay down in bed next to me. And I said, okay, what do you want? And I just ignored it. And, but it wasn't done with me. So when I was going to get up in the morning, I was fully awake, laying on my back and uh, a voice from my, from my right side said into my ear very clearly, husband, just, it was, it sounded slightly Asian, actually the, the voice, but it was feminine and Leslie never calls me husband. Plus she wasn't, she wasn't in bed. We should explain that, um, when we were doing our, we, we worked for a while that, uh, raising our kundalini energies and opening our chakras. Uh, you do that through meditation work and uh, chanting. And uh, as we were doing that, we both gained the ability to astral project. And when I was doing it, astral projection was fun. I was able to go scuba diving and visit Egypt, and I always had a good time. But whenever Stephen gets out of his body, it seems like they're waiting on the other side of the veil to harass him. He's had he, every time he gets out of his body, there's there's like a being. I mean, not every time, but frequently there's a being in the room with him. Like one, the few months ago, there was a black, tall black being with yellow eyes. And uh, mm -hmm. another time. So in other words, I feel like he's still being harassed on the psychic plane uh, or the astral plane. And uh We'd love, if anyone has advice on how to get out from under this someday, <laughs> we'd love him to have a good night's sleep for once. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not quite as afraid to go to sleep anymore as I was. I'm just kind of uh, trying to confront it more. Like when that black being was in the room, I said, I said, you know, what do you want? What do you want? You know, I hear that people say, oh, you're not supposed to give them any type of permission. But I said, okay, um, I honestly would like to know the curiosity part of me being human would like to know what they have wanted with me. I've, I've always been you know, very intuitive. That's why I was very good acupuncturist and the Tai Chi teacher. Uh, I've, I inherited that from him from my mom's side, at least. So I've always had that ability and had that, vo that voice. I've all, I've also had precognitive things happen to me in my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, one I predicted, I, I knew, I saw who was going to be the president a year and a half before the person even ran for being president. And I told Leslie, said, you won't believe he's going to become the next president. I, I'm a witness. <laughs> and, and this, this happened, um, you know, 20, some odd, 25 years ago or so. I do believe there is a connection, a psychic connection to the UFO phenomenon. Uh, it Perhaps it's part of their criteria that they like people with that have some psychic ability yes. as part of their choice as to why they take them. Uh, certainly it's true in Steven's family. Yeah. I've had the clear audience and the, the, um, yeah, I, I, I was astral projecting well before I met, met Leslie and I just kind of stopped doing it. Then when we started working together and, you know, she started having fun with it, then it's actually very simple to do. It's just getting to the right, uh, uh, conscious state conscious state it really is you got to slow your brainwave down, levels down to about a delta about four to seven cycles per second and l let your body become glued to the floor what was that great book you read back it's called the art of astral projection so he read it and the first night he popped out of his body then i read it and the first night i popped out of my body so i i really recommend that book if somebody wants to learn how oh, to do it, this it absolutely works it's it's a <laughs> it has to do with your breathing that you you do an inhale of three then an exhale of five then an inhale of five and an exhale of three and then you visualize your chakras and you're spinning your chakras from the first chakra all the way up to the 
seventh chakra and you relax doing that, but you focus on the breathing. It's called the hypnogogic and the hypnopompic state. It's the state of between full wakefulness and full sleep where have you ever uh, partially awakened and not been able to move yet? You know, that you're kind no. of paralyzed, <laughs> you know, um, it's a lot of people are frightened by that state. Uh, yeah, but they if, call it sleep paralysis. But uh, when you're in that state, that's when you can get out of your body. You can actually make a conscious decision, say, I'd like to get out of my body. And the next thing you know, you start, your your astral body will float up out of your physical It's a really body. cool feeling when it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, the one time I did it, was, <laughs> I, was se- I was 17. And it was on a Sunday afternoon. I just was really tired because I had done all, been just done a lot of running and a lot of working and was still in school. So I was reading The Silmarillion by, by J.R.R. Tolkien, and it's kind of boring. So I, I put it down. I said, you know, maybe maybe I'll, I'll practice, see if I can get, you know, into, a, into an astral state. So I was laying on my parents' bed, and they were in the living room talking and doing their thing. And so my body literally became like, it felt like it was glued to the bed. And I was, I was conscious as, okay, I'm going to pop out. And I popped out and went right up the ceiling uh, by the swamp cooler fan. I was hovering up the ceiling there and I said, this is cool. I'm going to go and prove to my parents that this stuff is real. I'm going to go spy on them, you know, and see what they're saying. You know, so I start floating out, out down the hallway feet first. And cause you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't skilled at doing this at the time. So I, I said, okay, maybe I should, you know, turn around and look at myself or like, you know, stand up. And I, and then I started to get this weird vibrating feeling. And then I felt like I was being like, like dragged back through mud in the air. Like I was being dragged back slow into my body. And then I popped back in my body. When I and, first got out, um, suddenly I was at the, the cottage cheese ceiling looking like only six inches away. And I was so surprised. I went, Wow. And then slammed right back into my body. I was only out for like a second, you know, to just to, but, but it, it, you can't unmake it happen. It, uh, once you get there, you said, wow, it really is real. And, and then it, I think really the next, the next time you, uh, you went over the house, right? Yeah. I, I, next time I came out of my body, I, I, I came out with such force. I went through the ceiling and about a mile up into the sky and I had an enormous view of the entire what city the uh, yeah. underneath of us. Yeah. It's a, it's a, an interesting phenomenon and you get better at it as you do it. Cause when you're, people are a little afraid of it. Oh, well, what if my body gets separated and get lost or whatever, but this, the opposite is true. It's hard to stay out as a beginner. Um, and your body, there's the silver cord they talk about that connects the two of you. And you, uh, if their body hears anything, it doesn't like, it'll jerk that cord and you'll, it's like a good watchdog and you'll end up yeah. slamming right back into your body. So um, it, it, but after a while, you can start moving the physical, bo- uh, the astral body separate from the physical body. And that's when you can actually start to and use, like, use mental com- commands. Like, you know, you say, yeah. you know, you don't try and move your arm or whatever. You just, at first you'd have to just use mental commands. I want to float over here. I want to float. Cause when you try and move your astral body separate from your physical body, sometimes you, it's almost moves the physical body and that causes you to, to slam right back in. It takes a little practice to get, to get good at yeah. it. But it's a strange thing. And I began to uh, hear into the astral realm in the waking state. Yeah, it's during called, the day. It's called Clara Audience. And um, frankly, that's the thing that creeped me out, hearing a voice right behind me and there's nothing there. That kind of bothered me. And I decided to just give up the whole thing after that. But uh, but I can we can testify to it being a real thing that you, people can do. And it was it was profoundly life changing for me because before that I didn't know do I have a soul I don't know maybe I have a soul maybe I don't but when your soul 
separates from your physical body and goes traveling, you're pretty much sure you have a soul after that. <laughs> and I felt, I felt comforted. You know, I do have a soul. There is one in there. I appreciate you guys sharing your your stories, especially because for depending upon the the family and the culture you live in, I, I'm sure for some people this is very very strange. So I appreciate your your frankness and your openness and and sharing this. And so, can you tell me where people can find your book? So if they want to know more, sure. Um, the book is called "Who They Are and What They're Up To" by Leslie and Stephen Shaw. It's available on Amazon. And on Ingram as well. Uh, Ingram, uh, bookstores prefer to use Ingram. Uh, so we're on both. And we also have an Instagram account uh, and Facebook account where we're trying to publish a lot of stories and, and uh, histories. And that, that handle is leslie.shaw.author. Leslie spelled L-E-S-L-I-E and Shaw, S-H-A-W. And uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram like I say, and uh, we have a website, whotheyarebook.com, and there they can find uh, some of my blogs and some, uh, Stephen, Stephen has some blogs. And, and some uh, animations too, right? And yeah. uh, and also uh, some excerpts, you know, stuff like that from the book. And um, that if it. people have a story that you'd be interested in hearing it? Absolutely. Um, okay, awesome. So please, yes, um, message me on Instagram is the best way right now. So okay. visit our Instagram account, uh, look at some of our 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 posts, and uh, and share your story. Awesome. And That's you know, share share there, and then maybe send me an email address, and we can communicate easier via email, uh, yep. of course. And our, I guess I give our email. It's uh, Leslie Shaw four five nine at gmail dot com. Thank well, you happy so to, much. That's a wonderful... Happy to communicate with people. Yeah, we're we're currently working with two people in, in this in this general area that have right. some very odd things that have been happening. One of them recently. is an abduction victim too. One's yeah. an abdu abduction victim, and another one has caught a bunch of stuff on her ring camera. Ring camera has wild stuff on her ring camera. <laughs> another one, another one has her crystals and her and her stones growing uh, in in her house and around her house, and she's got pictures of them. This is before and this is after. It's so really bizarre. She's, it's, it's odd. She's 70 years old. And so not really a viable candidate anymore for being physically taken. But just like Stephen, as soon as she goes into the dream state, she has this um, spirit guide named Sumi. And she's painted hundreds of paintings of this lady named Sumi, who is essentially a gray alien. And um, sometimes she has a halo of light and wispy hair, but mostly she's a gray alien with the big black eyes. And she's been, it's almost like they befriended each other and they're still communicating. Um, she thinks physically, she thinks she's actually be still being contacted physically. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case or if it's like more psychic communication, like Steven is still experiencing, mm -hmm. but it's when they're done with you physically, they're not done with you. Yes. That much we know. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they they do change your perspective on life. That's for sure. Right? I've I made different decisions in my life based upon some of the things that have happened to me. So, um, yeah, awesome. they change they change your brain wiring a bit too. I think. Well, thank you guys so much for being here and sharing your story. Thank you, Laura. Thanks so much thank for you. having us. It was fun. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive. Please share it with others. 
post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804. See you next time.